0: All right, Mark chapter two. Goal tonight is to finish this. We really, really desperately need to. Don't know if we can. Mark chapter two. We we completed our look at the uh, the possible solution to the Mark twenty two Mark two twenty six dilemma. By looking at it with the, the seminary paper that tried to offer it as like some kind of a narrative, and that uh, Abiathar represents the, the Pharisees and, and all of the, the symbolism. And we, we, I think we all agreed that it doesn't seem to make any sense. Like trying to even take it to its logical conclusion, I didn't really understand exactly. Well, I guess it fixes the Abiathar problem. But trying to interpret what that actually means in the text, like what is Jesus really trying to tell us in the text is like the Pharisees are bad because they're abiathar and I 'm good because I'm David, and therefore I can make rules that changes the Sabbath because i i I, I don't know I, I don't know how anybody would read that. The Pharisees obviously didn't understand, and I, I I think the average person would never understand that. so we had some issues with that, but so we're, I'm going to say. Even though, because we kind of transitioned. I went back and listened to make sure. We we transitioned really out of trying to find that the, the solution. So, if you go back to Mark really quick. We'll at least just summarize this because we always have people tuning in who haven't been a part of the entire series and they have no clue what's going on. So, we'll go to Mark chapter 2. I'll just read it from uh, this Bible right here. Mark chapter 2. Verses 23 to 28, all right, Mark two twenty-three uh, 23 to 28. On the Sabbath, he, speaking of Jesus, was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain. I know the King James uses the word corn, but well, we could have that whole discussion, all right. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So then the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Okay. Okay. We all know the problem, right? If we were to summarize the problem, what is the problem here? Well, the, the problem is that it says that this happens when Abiathar. Abiathar is, is identified as high priest, and because he's identified as high priest, we know it's a problem because when we go to First Samuel, was it twenty-one? We find out that it was actually whom? Ahimelech. All right. And so we spent weeks trying to figure out the solution. We went through all different possible solutions. And why did we even bother to deal with this problem? Wait, why is Jesus mentioning Abiathar when Abiathar was not the high priest, it was Ahimelech? Why why is he doing this? What is going on? Why did we bother even to look into this controversy? Well, because Bart Ehrman, one of the leading Bible skeptics, this was the passage that caused him to begin to question the New Testament and ultimately abandon and renounce Christianity. I am still baffled that this is the passage that did it because if I was ever going to choose the passage for me to renounce Christianity, it would be Genesis 1-1 because it makes absolutely no sense to me, okay? Because how in the world? I mean, yeah, I could go all day on all the problems that arises from Genesis 1-1. But this was the passage. So we went through all the possible options. Yes, and I'm not going to go back and review them all. They're all there online, okay? So So if we came to a conclusion... What do we do with the problem? What's probably the best solution we came up with after looking at all of them? I hope someone remembers because that's a whole lot of hours of teaching if no one remembers. okay, What was the best one we came up with? Well, we, we, we did the last one, which we have already rejected, uh, which was the, whole, uh, the one I already mentioned, the symbolism. Abiathar is the Pharisees, Jesus is David, and all of that. Okay, we, we didn't necessarily like that one. I don't think anyone liked that one, okay? So which one did we think works the best? Yeah, the, uh, I, I, think, I think we if, if you kind of remember kind of what I proposed, maybe I didn't specifically state it, I proposed a combination kind of view, right? Remember, I started with what we can clearly see that at least eliminates it looking like a glaring problem. What can we clearly see? Abiathar was a priest. Abiathar becomes high high priest, and all this happened somewhere relatively to that time frame. I mean, Abiathar was a priest at the time it happened. He becomes high priest Probably not soon after. Probably relatively soon after, because Ahimelech is yeah. is dead. Okay, so we have a we have a we can kind of say, all right. In other words, in the time of Abiathar, as Mark two twenty. Remember that phrase in the time yeah. or during the time. How? What's the exact ver- verbiage? I don't want to. In the days of. Okay, or in the days of that phrase. How much do you limit it? Or how how much can you expand it? Because if you can expand it just a little bit, well, this event does happen around that time. You know what I'm you saying? You know what I'm saying? So, but we can at least say there's no like massive glaring problem. Abiathar was a priest, he does become high priest, he was alive at this time, and he becomes high priest relatively close to this time. It's not perfect, but it at least eliminates, like, oh no, massive contradiction. Right? Secondly, we, we don't have any problem with a- acknowledging the possibility that the, uh, the Abiathar is included here, wasn't in the original, was added later on by those making copies. And the reason we think that this is a possibility is because Matthew and, Mar- Matthew and Luke used what for their source, we think? Mark, almost everyone agrees with that. And what did they not include in their account of this story? Abiathar, they leave it out there the at least some argue that in earlier manuscripts the is not there shows up later so we don't have a, why do we not have a problem if that's the case doesn't mess with inspiration because it's not the original now the only problem with saying that is we don't have the original so so that's kind of that's kind of a you know, maybe a little sneaky way to get around it, but the bottom line is we don't, we don't have a major issue. And even, and, and even if you want to make a big deal out of it, it doesn't impact anything, right? In other words, it doesn't impact anything significant. So we, we, there's other, put it this way, there's other issues we have to deal with. In fact, for me, for me personally, and I think I've made this clear, so if you don 't remember that's okay, but i've tried to make it clear for me, there's a far bigger problem in the text than abiathar, and what's the bigger problem in the text what is why what i don 't understand I don't understand the entire why and for and, and we reviewed if you if you go back to the beginning of the series, I reviewed sermons on this and I, I I don't even understand, like, the sermons just basically, not only do they ignore the Abiathar problem, they act like that this is some profound, look at Jesus. He makes such a great point here. He confounded them. This is amazing. What a great argument. But after you listen to the sermon, I'm like, so just summarize, what was his great argument? So if push came to shove, right, you knew someone who just read Mark 2, Lost person, saved person, it doesn't matter. And they came to you and said, okay, what, what is Jesus' argument here? What's, what's his great argument? What would you say his great argument is? What's, his, what's the profound argument that Jesus puts forth here to resolve the conflict? The conflict is, hey, these guys did something that the Pharisees is saying is unlawful. Correct? So what is Jesus' great solution to the problem? Okay. So uh, according to that, the great solution is you can break the law. Right? So because the Sabbath was the, the, the Sabbath wasn't made for man, or no, the man wasn't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. Is that a great are you, I don't know. I don't know how great <laughs> that, that sounds very subjective, does it not? Hey, you broke the law. Jesus didn't say we didn't break the law. Right? Right, and well, not, well, we'll get to that, but if you go with how Stacy summarized it, she summarized it by what Jesus said, right? The Sabbath is not made, or the man is not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath is made for man, right? So let's just take that really quick. What does that even mean? Because? <laughs> well, no, because... Right, well, I, I, if, I think we'd have to say it was okay because... The Sabbath was made for men. So in other words, it's made for men and men use the Sabbath to do, I guess, to eat. And it's perfectly okay. In other words, it seems to make the rules of the Sabbath very arbitrary, right? Hey, the Sabbath is made for you. Okay, well then I want to do this on the Sabbath. Well, it's made for you. Does that not sound very subjective and arbitrary? I don't know if that's a great argument. I don't even know if I would summarize the argument that way. It sounds sounds very confusing. Now, it's better to say that Jesus' argument is, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Meaning, if, like you said, if I'm with you, you can do whatever because I'm in charge of the Sabbath. All right? That was that still not helpful. But guess what both of those did? What Stacy did and what you mentioned, guess what both of them ignored? Why even tell the story of David and Abiathar because... That has nothing to do with the, the argument that y'all just presented as possibly the argument in the text. Yeah, exactly. Right, so I, I, I don't know, I don't understand. All the sermons just act like the preacher's just stand behind the pulpit. Oh, this is amazing. Isn't this so great? And I'm sitting there listening to these sermons going, you, what is your point? Okay, I don't get your point. So, we got to figure out the point. And we got to figure out why Jesus tells this story. So, we, we ended last week with this. Remember, a kind of a series of questions. What are the questions we need to figure out in regards to this story? We, we know we have to figure out, you can leave out the Abiathar situation because we've already worked on that. What are the remaining questions we must answer on trying to figure this out? Was the disciples breaking the Sabbath? All right. Number two. Was David breaking the law? Because that's the example Jesus gives, okay? So was the, the disciples breaking the law? Was, did David break the law? All right. And there was one more. Okay, there we go. What was the point Jesus was making? There are three things we have to answer. Were the Pharisees breaking the law? Did David break the law? And what in the world is the point? Oh, we we started looking up some references. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully it will be beneficial. All right? So... Let's go through this. First of all, I'm going to ask the question, I'm going to kind of change this up a little bit and ask this question. For argument's sake, for argument's sake, let's say that what the disciples was doing was in clear violation of the Sabbath. Let's just say they were in clear violation of the Sabbath. If that's the case, then what is the answer provided in the text? If they broke the Sabbath, then, I mean... All right, bottom line, he's saying it's okay. So they, if they broke the law, then they didn't really break the law because it's okay. It's okay. it's okay. it's okay. All right, so, hey, it's okay. All right, if they weren't breaking the law, then what's the point? Okay, well, based on what Jesus said, this is where it gets confusing. I, I want you to struggle with this for a minute. I know it's taking a little bit of time, but I want you to struggle with this. If Jesus wasn't breaking the law, what would have been more, more, more likely the correct response? If the disciples weren't breaking the law, does the response make any sense? Exactly. Thank you. Because all preachers say they weren't breaking the law. Every sermon I've heard is like, they were not breaking the Sabbath. Then why didn't Jesus just say, they weren't breaking the Sabbath? (laughs) Well, remember in Mark 2, there's multiple issues dealing with the Sabbath. Remember, we looked at that. right he didn't address the fact that it wasn't fun or for you said there's a higher purpose it kind of okay oh you're saying that this fits the pattern Jesus typically takes on these kinds of issues okay that that's a that's good Well, well, let's do this really quick. Okay, let's let's work on this. I know this is taking us longer than I need to because we need to finish this. But go to Mark chapter 2 again. Everybody look at Mark chapter 2 and I believe into chapter 3. And there's a number of accounts here where there's a conflict about the Sabbath, right? Let's identify all them. What was the first one? Well, we can just just skim on Mark 2 and just see where we, we have them here. Okay, yeah. The first one, uh, Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees, but we don't think this had anything to do with uh, with the Sabbath, right? So the first one, the, the healing the man with palsy. Okay, chapter three is the one with the Sabbath. Okay, all right. So what Jesus? So let's let's see how he handles that situation just briefly. All right. So the first, he has conflict with the Pharisees in chapter two, verses one through twelve. Everybody remember that? Okay, not necessarily on the Sabbath, but he's having conflict. Uh, it was your sins are yeah, he says your sins are forgiven and they have some major issues with that, obviously. And you can understand why, right? Okay, then uh, his next conflict with them is in chapter 2. And what happens? What happens in chapter 2, verse 15, I should say? There's another conflict. Yeah, he's eating and hanging out with sinners. Remember we talked about that? All right, so two conflicts. Then we have the conflict about the Sabbath in 2, 23 to 28, yes? So three conflicts in chapter 2, all dealing with the Pharisees, okay? Then chapter 3, he heals on the Sabbath. So we have two issues with the Sabbath back to back. Everybody agree? Now in chapter 3 verse 1, what, how does he handle the conflict with the Sabbath in chapter 3 verse 1? He entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there which had a withered hand and they watched him, whether he might heal him on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. And he said unto the man which is which with the withered hand, stand forth. And he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace... And then he heals the man. Now, in this particular case, he seems to directly go after their understanding of the Sabbath. Right? He, he, what is lawful? And Jesus clearly seems to indicate that healing someone on the Sabbath is perfectly lawful. So this seems to be a direct, direct discussion about it. The previous one, doesn't. it doesn't, I don't understand. Because if the disciples didn't do anything wrong, why wouldn't he use some kind of story to prove that they weren't doing anything wrong? Like, hey, where is it written you can't eat or grab grain on the Sabbath? Correct? But he doesn't. Okay. Well, how's that? In, so, if does that mean the the Pharisees, that the uh, disciples broke the law or didn't break the law? Like the response has to has to address with it one of the issues. I think, I think it broke their current law the way the Pharisees understood it. So then, why would he need to say that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath? Because if he's trying to correct their misunderstanding of it, what does that mean? By saying, hey, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, seems to be, indicate that he can change the Sabbath rules. Yeah, but if he didn't break the Sabbath rules, he doesn't need to change the Sabbath rules. The Sabbath. Okay. <laughs> right. So it seems to indicate that they did break the rule, right? You see what I'm trying to get us to consider? I'm trying to consider whether the disciples were innocent or guilty based off the kind of answer Jesus gives. Because if, we, if Because most preachers start off by indicating that the disciples did not break the law, right? Remember, we looked up a number of commentaries. Does everybody remember that? Okay, in fact, I'll just just grab one really quick. I'll just grab one really quick. Like, if you solve a problem, you got to then take that solution to its logical conclusion. Does everybody understand that? Right, so, if I go to Mark chapter 3... I'm sorry, Mark chapter two. All right, here we go. Mark chapter two, verse twenty uh, two twenty four. What is not lawful on the Sabbath? What is not uh, is not lawful on the Sabbath. Rabbinical tradition had interpreted the rubbing of grain in the hand, and we see that in Luke six one, as a form of threshing, and had forbidden it. Reaping for profit on the Sabbath was forbidden by Mosaic law, but that was obviously not the situation here. Actually, the Pharisees' charge was itself sinful since they were holding their tradition on par with God's word. So this commentary argues that what the Pharisees was doing was sinful because they had just elevated their tradition as being the word of God and trying to bind people to it. Okay, let's go with that argument. The disciples did nothing wrong. The Pharisees were sinning by elevating their tradition to the word of God. Now look at Jesus' response and see if that makes absolutely any sense. Okay. Well, wait, we'll, get, we'll have to get to David. We'll have to get to David. Yeah, we, I believe, we, we think so. So I'm, But right now, we're just starting with the concept. Pharisees did nothing wrong. All right, everybody with me? Pharisees did nothing wrong. That's where every, every church you ever go to is going to start by saying the Pharisees did absolutely nothing wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, not the Pharisees. The disciples, yeah, okay, thank you. The disciples did absolutely nothing wrong. Thank you for correcting me. The disciples did absolutely nothing wrong. So if the disciples did absolutely nothing wrong, explain that in regards to Jesus. Because everybody thinks this. like you get to the end of their sermons. They're like, and Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And everybody's like, amen. And everybody claps. And I'm like, why does he need to be the Lord of the Sabbath when they didn't break the Sabbath? Like, if your whole point in your sermon, the disciples didn't break the Sabbath, then why does he need to tell anyone he's Lord of the Sabbath? Because it has nothing to do with the Sabbath. What is the whole argument? Against the traditions of men. Does he make an argument against the traditions of men? Not really, not directly. No, he doesn't even mention the traditions of men. He mentions the purpose of the Sabbath and who's in charge of the Sabbath. The purpose of the Sabbath is the man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is made for man. Nobody yet has been able to tell me exactly what that means. But everybody thinks it's so profound. OK, and then he says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And everybody's like, "Ooh, ah, oh, amen. OK, and I, whenever I hear the sermons and people are in the audience saying amen, I'm like, what are you amening? OK, what does it mean to me that would only make sense if the Pharisees what? I'm sorry. If the disciples what, breaking the law, but everyone says they didn't break the law. So let's let's. Are you ready for this? Okay, here we go. We're we're trying our best to get the, to resolve this. If the disciples did not break the law, can we all agree the text seems confusing and broken? are are we sure are we in agreement right if they were doing the said, that the law. oh well the Pharisees obviously think they break in the law yeah the Pharisees obviously think they break break the law but but all preachers say they didn't break the law well i don't can we find anything in the Old testament that would say you can't grab corn where you're walking through a field on the Sabbath? You can't clearly harvest it for profit. You can't like work the fields, but they're just walking through grabbing some grain. So I don't think we have anything that would clearly say this is a direct violation. So if there's no direct violation, then they're innocent. Do you have a verse you're going to look up? Okay, look it up and tell me what you find. Yeah, we, we, I think we've tried a couple of times, but that's okay. I'm, will, I'm willing to listen to any suggestions here. Everybody wants, Bart Ehrman's like, he uses a biathar. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Christianity, and I'm like, dude, did you read the text? I'm confused by the entire story, okay? The whole thing makes no sense to me. All right, Deuteronomy 23, 24 through 25, all right? And what did you find there? And what is its significance? fill So you can eat as much as you stomach. Yeah. But you shall not put any in a vessel. Right, you can't take any with you. Yeah, as you're going through. Right. And remember this just proves that what they were doing wasn't sinful. They weren't stealing. Right. 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 So eat so they weren't stealing they weren't doing anything unlawful the key the key is we don't have a text that says that what they were doing was breaking the law so if we say they weren't breaking the law which is why all preachers say this then the question is what is jesus point all right so can we can we do this for now let's see how far we can get are right, everybody ready Well, that we're going to get there, but for now, can we say, for now, that if the disciples were not breaking the law, the argument here seems confusing and doesn't make sense. Can we all agree on that for at least for the next five minutes? Alright? Everybody ready? For, I know someone right there is online right now going, no, 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 but that's okay, just calm down, you can email me later. Okay, but, but, all right, so everybody okay with that? All right, so now, let's go with option number two. The disciples were breaking the law. Now, does the argument make some sense? Well, we well, we can leave we can leave Dave. We'll leave David out for now. Okay. There's well, there's a comparison, but we we have to ask we have to answer a question about David before we can bring it back into this. All right. So right now. I'm saying if I leave David completely out of this, Mark, Matthew and Luke leave uh, David completely Well, they, they leave Abiathar out. Never mind. Okay. All right. So let, let me just ask a question. If the disciples broke the law, does this Jesus argument make any sense? Well, we've, already, we've already looked at if they were innocent. Now we're looking, if they broke the law, does Jesus' argument make any sense? Okay, well, how does it make sense? Someone tell me. Okay, all right. Stacy said it probably the, the way we can just make it simple. Jesus is saying, I, I can tell them to do whatever they, I, I want. I'm I'm in charge. What well, first the sa- in other words, what Jesus is saying the Sabbath is made in such a way that they weren't guilty of it, right? So in other words, well, so that raises another problem. Actually, hang on. If we if we take that argument that hey man the Sabbath was made for the man, could we possibly take that as Jesus actually saying to the Pharisees? No, they're not breaking the law because it's perfectly okay to do this because the rules of the Sabbath is the Sabbath was made for man. So in other words, is it possible that that phrase actually would support the idea that they're innocent? Or would it support the idea that they're guilty? Well, you would think that the the, the original argument would be, if they're not guilty, Jesus would just say, hey guys, they didn't do anything wrong, show me where it's wrong. But he doesn't approach it that way. So, if he, by saying, hey guys, 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 Pharisees, listen, listen, the Sabbath was, was, was made for man. Is he therefore justifying their action as not being wrong, or... Is he, or is he saying that they're, they may have broken the law, but it's, it's somehow actually not a breaking of the law? Well, I mean, this text has been in your Bible since as long as you've been a Christian. You have to have something you got to do with it. I mean, it's not like we just grab something from a minor prophet that you've never read. This is the Gospel of... It's in Matthew, it's in Luke, and it's in Mark. uh huh right so that emphasis on i their presence and they're with me and it's all about me okay all right well, that's what i i i understand that at least in, i don't, but in this context what I, what i'm trying to what we we just need to answer the question when he says that the the sabbath was made for man is that is that saying that they didn't do anything wrong? Or is that saying that it doesn't matter that they did something wrong? What, I mean you got you only have two choices. Which is what, I mean someone's gotta tell me something, which is it? You don't even know. We don't know. Okay. I, I, I I may I may have an answer, okay. I'm trying to see for you guys to try to come up with one. All right. Okay. I think you could kind of argue that that phrase, hey, the, the, Sabbath was, uh, the Sabbath was made for man, to me seems to be more trying to say, hey, what they're doing is okay. This, this, because the Sabbath wasn't intended to keep someone from doing this. Is Jesus making new rules for the Sabbath? I don't know. Do you, do you feel that's a new rule? It seems to me he's clarifying. Hey, you're, you're, you think the Sabbath, that man was made for the Sabbath, and I'm trying to help you understand that the Sabbath was made for man. And if the Sabbath was made for man, then it wouldn't be wrong for a hungry man to grab food walking through a field on the Sabbath. Which supports what the Deuteronomy says It's okay. Well, De- well, it wouldn't support Deuteronomy completely because Deuteronomy has nothing to do with the Sabbath, but it would support the fact that it's okay for them to do that. But all preachers say that, hey, they weren't breaking any rule. So the, the Pharisees have a wrong understanding of the Sabbath. And so what Jesus is trying to do is like, guys, 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 you're misunderstanding the Sabbath. You think we were created for it, but it was created for man. So therefore, they weren't doing anything wrong. Do you think it's... Support- I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I can go both ways on this. I I. I that he's trying to clarify their understanding of it. All right? So that would seem to indicate that they weren't guilty. All right, and how about the next phrase? Yeah. Our son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is the one I have problems with because this one seems to clearly indicate. Why would you need to say I'm the Lord of the Sabbath if they didn't do anything wrong? Right, but I'm saying, why does he need to establish authority over the Sabbath if they didn't break the Sabbath? This, this conflict has nothing to do with the Sabbath. This conflict has to do with their misunderstanding of the in Sabbath. The but it, right, right. But in the previous statement, clarifying, right? Well, we think so. We went with the theory that he's clarifying. Okay. Okay. So, we'll go with the idea that the Pharisees are innocent, all right, and Jesus does two things. I'm sorry. The disciples are innocent. I'm trying to get the Pharisees off the hook, okay, all right? One way or the other, the Pharisees aren't guilty in this story, okay? I apologize. Okay, I'm trying to keep it all straight because there's a lot going on here. All right. The disciples are innocent, and Jesus attempts three things to support their innocence, prove their innocence, excuse their action Well, he doesn't have to excuse it, to somehow prove their innocence. The first thing is obviously the David story, which we're not touching yet. because we had about 900 problems with that, okay? The second one is to say, hey guys, the Sabbath was made for men. They were not violating the Sabbath. All right? And number two, I am Lord of the Sabbath, therefore I know what the Sabbath is actually for. Right. Is that the direction you were going? Yeah. All right. So. Okay. So we're going we're to go with the fact, Pharise- disciples innocent. Okay. Jesus offers two specific arguments that the Sabbath was made for man and that he's Lord of it. So therefore he knows what it's really for. Therefore, they weren't doing anything wrong. Okay? Does everybody like that? Well, well okay. The, the reason we have to do it this way is you'll see why. Right? Now, if the Pharisees were, if the disciples were guilty, if the disciples were guilty, does that change our interpretation of everything we've just done? We have to at least address this briefly. Because I, I want to move on, but we'll... You, you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. We'll leave the possibility that the disciples were guilty. We'll leave it for now. And we'll go with that. You guys have determined that the disciples are innocent and that Jesus, in a sense, supports their innocence by reminding the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for man and that he's Lord over the Sabbath. Therefore, he knows what it's intended for and what's right and what's wrong. During the Sabbath. Sounds good? All right. Now Jesus offers another argument and that other argument is a story about David. Everyone agree? Okay. Now, what do we have to answer here? Did David break the law? Right? Did David break the law Okay now let me when we I'm going to ask the exact same question If David broke the law how is Jesus using the story If David didn't break the law how is Jesus using the story So let's just pretend temporarily that David broke the law that David was completely 100% guilty of the law. Pencils are falling everywhere. All right. How is Jesus using the story? What's 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 his, what's his point? All right, pretend you're not in church. Pretend you're sitting at home having your devotional time. What do you do with this? you got to do something with it. You can't just skip it. No. Yeah. All right. So you're saying Jesus is using the story to try to demonstrate that what David did was okay because the men were hungry and in need. So so your argument is that David wasn't guilty. Okay, so you're saying David wasn't guilty and he's using that to prove the innocence of the disciples. All right. So okay, this is interesting. Okay, all right. Yeah, okay, I was not expecting this. Okay, all right. Universally, all preachers say the disciples did not break the law, but David clearly did. Okay. Well, I mean, so so sorry. Are you saying Jesus is saying that the law can be broken? if certain criteria are met need and hungry. is he making the law subjective here that's what the, that's how it reads. no 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 i, I like this you said if you're at home it, right? okay i this then what it says to me because jesus points out that it's not lawful right? okay so he had people with him they were hungry they were in need and ultimately the Sabbath is there okay you do realize the massive problem this leads to okay cuz now you're saying for any law as long as i as long as i have a great enough need I, situational ethics telling you that's how okay Oh, uh, there are clearly some... I think maybe there's some analogies going on. Sarah, you've got to speak up here. We we need a, a, a papal decision here. But What, what, what do you... I think you he oh, I, I, hey, I didn't step on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm i just letting everyone throw their ideas out here. So, what do we have? I mean, then you can just say, well, I'm hungry and I can go steal what I want. Right. right. Yeah, that I know... Major, majorly problematic so so are you so you so which way are you le- <laughs> 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 leaning <laughs> which way are you leaning <laughs> to it <mean>, I mean, <laughs> is dangerous especially considering it, we all easily justify our own actions all the time and so you can convince yourself you did it for the right reasons we do that all the time right so it is very shaky ground but i was just being honest about how to me, it reads he like that. Like he, David broke the law, David but it was okay. It was the they're, hungry. they're hungry and in need. So would that not, would, but that argument sounds like then he's, he's, well, no, but you see, you see where this is leading. Okay, think this through. Okay, I I was hoping someone would catch it. If we're we're saying that Jesus is like, hey, David broke the law, but they were hungry and had need, would that not be an argument to justify that the the disciples broke the law? Why would you use this story if the disciples didn't break the law? And we already argued that the disciples didn't break the law. I'm not arguing either way. I try to get y'all to work it through. Well, I mean, the whole argument is that disciples broke the law. The Pharisees make the accusation. And then Jesus is coming, obviously, to the defense. Yeah. So he brings it up. Right. Have you not read? Don't you know the story? Now, if if the argument is, hey, these guys broke the law, but it was okay because they were hungry in need, so therefore my disciples... They're hungry and need, and they broke the law, so it's okay. That would seem to be the way that argument would have to go, (laughs) which would blow up our entire first part of our interpretation. So let's let's read this story. Okay, so let's, let's look at the David story again. Now, interpret the story in light of the fact that we're claiming the disciples were innocent. If the disciples are innocent, how would Jesus be using the story to continue to support that innocence, prove that innocence, and condemn the Pharisees for their wrong accusations against? I could throw out a suggestion here. I'm going to see if anybody else can pick it up. Oh, come on. Y'all got to get this. Well, stay with my question first. Stay with my question first before we deviate. Right? We've we've made an argument that the disciples did not break the law. Correct? We've interpreted Jesus' two statements about the purpose of the Sabbath and his authority to justify that he was helping them understand that his disciples didn't do anything wrong. Now Now, if that's the way we're going, then the third part of this three-point outline Jesus is giving them is the story of David so how does the story of David make any sense how do we understand the story if David was guilty or if David was innocent how is Jesus using the story to support the innocence of the disciples See, everybody, everybody thought the first, everybody loved the first part. Everybody's like, yeah, this is good, right? The disciples are innocent. I understand now why Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Now I understand why he said he's Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, I've got it. All right, well, now all you got to do is, you got one remaining piece of the puzzle. What in the world has this story got to do with it? Is it possible that Jesus is saying this? David was wrong. And you don't condemn him. Yet, my disciples aren't wrong, and you condemn them. You're being hypocrites. Okay, Stacy's like, no. All right. Okay. <laughs> no. All right. Stacy doesn't like that. I don't hear any other. I don't think anyone likes this one. Okay. This is a pretty common uh, solution to the problem. Okay. Oh yeah. Tell me why you don't like it. I, okay. 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 Right. And just killed, right? Does someone have to get in trouble for the action to be considered wrong in the Old Testament? Oh, okay. The Pharisees were not oh, God. no. It seems to me, have you not read what David did? It seems to be making an argument that you're condemning us. Nobody's ever condemned David for this. Well, let's do this. Let's just determine, was David in the wrong? Are you ready? Here's one article. Did David sin when he ate the tabernacle showbread? Yes, he did. (laughs) They're very specific. The Gospels record the account of the Pharisees castigating Jesus' disciples for eating from the grain fields on the Sabbath day. In response to the Pharisees' unjust accusation, Jesus cites the historical account of David eating the showbread, an act only lawful for the priest. In 1 Samuel 21, 1 through 6. Some people have misconstrued this passage to teach that Jesus was upholding situational ethics and that David actually did not sin on this occasion. Such, however, is not the case. Under the law of Moses, the showbread was only reserved for the priest. Matthew 12, uh, look at Matthew 12, 3 and 4. Tell me what you find there. Oh man, we're out of time. Oh! We're never gonna finish our study in Mark 226. Ever. Matthew 12, 3 and four? Alright, so they're making an argument that Jesus himself said it wasn't lawful. So, therefore, Jesus himself is saying what David did was wrong. Everybody see that in Matthew 12, 3 through 4? Yes? No? Okay. Go to, uh, what are you looking up, Sarah? You got? Leviticus 24. Okay, good. Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. Leviticus 24, 5 through 9. set it in order before the Lord continually, being taken from the children of Israel by an everlasting covenant. And it shall be Aaron's and his sons, and they shall eat it in the holy place where it is most holy unto him of the offerings of the Lord, made by fire by perpetual statute. Okay. So what do you see in Leviticus 24, 5 through 9? It is only. Only. Because it is in its most holy unto him of the offerings. Okay. So, the point is, clearly... David is doing something wrong. Now I've heard the arguments. Well, David, David, David is, you know, Jesus is is from is is from the line of David and Jesus is prophet, priest and king. Therefore David is a priest. Therefore and then they try they try to justify it. But the more you justify David's actions First Samuel 21 All right? Are are we looking for something in First Samuel 21? I, I don't think uh, uh the priest uh kicked back at it. Uh, I think he just like Oh, well he does, but that doesn't make it right. No. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was just trying to think that there was no kickback like Oh you can't do that. I'm All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we look at every time the priest in the Old Testament did something wrong, we'd have a long list, <laughs> we'd have a long, long, long list of things wrong, all right? But I, I, I would argue that if Jesus says it's unlawful, it's unlawful. Would everyone agree with me there? Like, can we, I mean, can we all, Jesus said it was unlawful, okay? <laughs> was he saying it was okay? Okay, y'all think Jesus is saying it was okay, that seems. Do what? All right. Oh, I think that's. I think that destroys every law in the entire Bible because because if you if the if Jesus' argument is it's unlawful, but if you meet this criteria, it becomes lawful. Then I'm going to start applying that to every law in the Bible. Right? Hey, I'm hungry. I, my supper didn't say, I'm going to stop by uh, Allsup's and steal some stuff. And you can't tell me it's wrong because I'm hungry. Hey, my, my car needs gasoline and I don't have money for it. I'm going to steal gasoline. I mean, that, that's just, that, tur- that destroys. There's just no way that can be what Jesus is doing. Here's a suggestion. You ready? Jesus refers to the historical incident of David in 1 Samuel 21 to point out the Pharisees' inconsistency. The Pharisees placed David on a very high moral pedestal and were less likely to condemn David for his sinful act recorded in 1 Samuel 21. Clearly, David violated Leviticus 24. Yet the Pharisees were quick to unrighteously condemn Jesus' disciples who had done nothing wrong. Jesus is pointing out their inconsistency and their hypocrisy. Jesus posed a second question. Look at Matthew 12:5. Look at Matthew 12:5. What happens in Matthew 12:5? Okay? They say to further expose the inconsistencies of the Pharisees by mentioning that the priests were very he points out the inconsistencies of the Pharisees by mentioning that the priests were very busy working on the Sabbath day because they had many duties to complete, such as the changing of the showbread on the Sabbath, the associated duties of animal sacrifices on the Sabbath, and other priestly duties. Therefore, according to the Pharisees' flawed, hypocritical judgment, judgment, the Pharisees should have viewed their priests as profaning the Sabbath by working those works on the Sabbath, which, in fact, the priests were not violating the Sabbath because God authorized some work to be completed by the Sabbath Uh, by these priests. In other words, what he's saying is, hey, according to your flawed logic, Pharisees, even the priests should be condemned. According to your flawed argument, even someone walking through a field should be condemned. The problem is, you don't condemn David, who literally violated the law. In fact, I will argue, now I know not everyone agrees with this, Alright, right, so everybody stay with me. I will argue that everything David did in 1 Samuel 21 is reprehensible, evil, and messed up. I know that some want to justify it and say, no, David didn't do anything wrong in 1 Samuel. When he goes and says he's on a mission from the king, that that is complete deceit. And then when Ahimelech gets basically confronted, he's like, I didn't know anything about this. And he's dead. You can't say, well, David didn't do anything wrong. David set him up. Now, if, if, we, if we, listen to me. If we read 1 Samuel 21 as David did nothing wrong, Jesus' use of the story makes no sense. Unless you go with what Stephen and I understand the attempt to do so. No, what Jesus is saying is they broke the law, but it wasn't wrong because there was a specific, a specific line or specific need, therefore the law is, you can break the law. That just leads to major situational ethics. But it makes perfect sense. If I go back, because don't we all agree that 1 Samuel 21 is an absolute horrific story to use in any argument? Hey, here's David. He shows up. Hey, I'm on a mission from the king. You can try to argue that he was king. We know that what he was trying to put... What are we trying to convince the priest of? He was on a mission from whom? Saul. Saul. I mean, we all know that's what he was trying to do, right? I mean, hey, hey, Ahimelech didn't go, well, David is king and he was on a mission for himself. I mean, no, clearly that's... No, he... That priest... Look, you can, you can even say something that's true, but if you say something untrue in a manner to deceive someone, it is still What? deceit right so he clearly was deceiving if we read first samuel and get david off the hook you destroy first samuel you destroy mark 2 because you now make it that i don't know what you are hey david didn't do anything wrong why would he point to what david did if david didn't do anything wrong It make the whole story makes no sense but if david made like countless mistakes in that story then what is jesus saying You're condemning these guys who didn't violate anything. You know why they didn't violate anything? Because the Sabbath was made for man. And I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I I know what it was for. They didn't violate it. David broke it straight out. Bold faced lie. Took it. He broke everything. Got people killed. And you're like, "David David is such a great guy. David is such a great guy. David is such a great guy. David is such a, like, uh, well, then why are you condemning Jesus? Well, I I, I agree. I agree. But, so I'll just end with this because we're out of time. So let me just ask this argument. Here, everybody ready? And I really want you to give me an answer. So we can't go home until you give me an answer. Let's pretend... That David is completely innocent in 1 Samuel 21. Perfectly innocent. How is Jesus using the story then in in, uh, Mark chapter 2? Go with the idea that David is completely innocent. Uh, Okay. 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 So, if David is innocent, what does that have to? How does that fit? Oh no, we haven't talked about it yet. No. 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 Okay, that's fine. Okay, I just want to. I just want to make sure. So, someone give me an idea. If David is completely innocent in 1 Samuel twenty-one. Then what in the world is Jesus doing with the story? Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I clearly Jesus says he broke the law. But so he did know it was not. Clearly, Jesus said he, he broke the law. Now, I understand your attempt. Well, he's saying he broke the law, but it was okay that he broke the law in this situation. But I'm saying if, if David is completely innocent, obviously the text doesn't make any sense. But I'm just saying, even if we're able to use the story, what would Jesus be using the story if David was completely innocent for? Well, what's your only option? I, I, you, you would. I, well. I don't, I don't even know if it would fit there because he clearly says that David was wrong. You would almost have to remove that statement. So there's no way, there's just no way to say David was in the right. There's just no way. David was wrong. Jesus himself said it. So there, we, we don't even have to entertain. We don't even have to entertain the fact David was in the wrong. Well, I, I, but you only really have two options. Either he's using the story to point out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, or he's using the story to go, hey, 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 hey. David broke the law, but it was okay, because they were hungry and in need. So that my disciples broke... This would then make the argument that his disciples did something wrong, but it was okay, because they were hungry and in need. Which, the minute you go that direction, I'm sorry, that... (laughs) there's never going to be another sin committed in the history of mankind because everyone can find a justification for it well I did this Well, I was hungry and in need I did this I was hungry and in need I I was hungry and in need so I think we can argue that this is the argument we're going to go with disciples guilty or innocent innocent Jesus' argument is, number one, my guys are innocent. You condemn them, yet you declare someone else to be innocent who is actually clearly guilty. Number two, hey, you don't even understand the Sabbath because the Sabbath was made for man. So what my disciples are doing is perfectly in the spirit and letter of the law. And number three... I'm the Lord of the Sabbath, so I know what David did was unlawful, and I know what my disciples did was lawful, because I'm the Lord of it. What do you think? Does that does that solve everything? Did we just solve everything? I mean what? what? I mean, tell me what's left, because I want to know, did we just did we just end this long series of like 13 hours of teaching on this? All right. So let's see if you can all repeat it with me. All right. Everybody ready? Disciples. Innocent. Innocent. Jesus makes three. And the Pharisees say they're guilty. We all agree that that's the conflict. Jesus offers three points. Point number one. What? David broke the law? Y'all don't seem to have an issue with it. However, you condemn my disciples who obviously didn't break the law. Number two, you don't even understand it. Because it was made for man. Number three, I'm the Lord, so clearly I know what David did was wrong. Clearly I know what my disciples are doing is right. And clearly, I know you misunderstand the entire situation. Do the Pharisees have a response back? No, there's no, there, there's no immediately like okay. In fact, then it goes right into the next Sabbath problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, does everybody does everybody think that that's a a sufficient answer to this uh dilemma? All right. For those listening online, if you don't believe we concluded everything, let me know. I probably won't be able to get to it until I come back from vacation. I probably won't be able to to ha- to get to it before Saturday. But if you have an issue, let me know as soon as possible and we will try to address it. If I, if I have to address it back here in front of everyone, we will wait till I get back. But I'm hopefully we can be done with this series. I don't think there, I, we looked at every possibility, right? Disciples innocent, disciples guilty. David innocent, David guilty. We clearly realized that one direction was going to take us into situational ethics and none of us, that does not work. All right? So I think I don't I, I don't know of any other options. So we're going to stop, all right? We're going to leave it there. All right, Stacy doesn't sound too convinced that we solved anything. I hope so. After, I mean, I, how many? I, I, I reviewed like three sermons on this. I've, I've, I don't know. I've spent hours working on this. So I think I've look, literally looked at everything. And Mark 2, 23 to 26, I don't think we left one thing uncovered. Now, in, in Matthew, you have the whole bringing up mercy and uh, sacrifice, but I think we could still make it fit into what we've come up with, but we'll, we'll stop there for now. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. A very confusing passage of Scripture. Hopefully, we've, we've handled it in a correct manner. Those three points that Jesus made require us to really think about them and see how they are applicable to us. I pray that we would give that much thought and consideration and just thank you for an opportunity to work on this text in such an in-depth manner. We ask this in Jesus' name. God's people said.